Welcome to Breaking Green Ceilings, the podcast that amplifies the diverse voices of those who are committed to protecting and sustainably managing our natural environment. I'm your host, Sapna Mulki. Let's get started. Hey, hey, hey. So this is a special episode because this is the first time I am interviewing three people at the same time. And also because I am in awe of what our guests have created. Introducing to you Black Women in Nature, which is an initiative led by three Black women co-creators, Nicole Jackson, Ivory Douglas Leverett, and Angela Mitchell. And the purpose of Black Women in Nature is to help Black women connect with nature through meditation, nature, hiking, and reflection. So Nicole Jackson is an environmental educator and Black Women in Nature is really her brainchild. She's also the core organizer of Black and National Parks Week and Black Birders Week. Ivory Douglas Leverett is a certified yoga guide and a program manager in the Student Wellness Center at The Ohio State University. She leads the meditation and mindfulness part of the Black Women in Nature sessions. And then we have Angela Mitchell, who is a professional bikini athlete and health and wellness enthusiast who leads the discussions on the importance of holistic living in the Black Women in Nature sessions. So together, these women are doing an amazing thing of helping Black women find and celebrate Black joy and to connect with their natural environment through mind, body, and soul. There are definitely moments where I found myself just like choking up just with emotion. It's just really amazing what they've built here. So this is such an essential practice that I can see Black women in nature expanding beyond Columbus, Ohio, where it first started. And speaking to Nicole, Ivory, and Angela felt like a really healing experience for me. The way they talk about their own journeys and how Black women in nature has changed so many Black women's lives is just really uplifting for me. So if you're in Columbus, I highly recommend you reach out to them. Or if you want to create your own chapter, reach out to Nicole Jackson. Also, I recorded a video of this session. So if you're interested, take a peek on YouTube. I will have all this information in the show notes. Okay, happy listening. So thank you all again for being part of the Breaking Green Ceilings podcast. Today, we're here to talk to you about Black Women in Nature which is an initiative that has been led by three Black women who we have the honor of having today, starting with Nicole Jackson, Irie Douglas, and then Angela Mitchell. So the purpose of Black Women in Nature is to help Black women connect with nature through meditation, nature, hiking, and reflection. So I want to start with this first question to y'all, which is what role has nature played in your life? Let's start with Nicole. Okay. So yeah, nature has played a vital role in my life and still does because of growing up in Cleveland, Ohio, with 10 other siblings being raised by a single parent. When I was younger, I was in foster care at four point in my life. And unfortunately, with my older sister, uh, while in foster care, we were sexually abused. And that was a really hard time in my life because I was really, really young, about five or six And nature was my go-to during that time in my life to get through 
that trauma, that struggle, and trying to more so find myself and who I wanted to be, but also helping others find their strength to move through similar issues. So nature's really given me hope and motivation to keep moving forward during a lot of dark moments. All right. All I can think of is like, that's an intense, but also relieving story (laughs) that you found an outlet in nature. And I think that's a kind of consistent outlet. Let's go to Ivory. What role has nature played in your life? Yeah, I would say for me, nature has really represented freedom, a sense of playfulness and healing for me. As a kid, I grew up in the rural South of Texas and I used to always go out to my grandmother's house. She had a couple of acres of land that had been in our family for a while. And I just have so many fun memories of just like playing outside as a kid, running around, playing with all the little creatures, not really thinking too much about it, but just really having a good time. Me and my sister, like making mud pies, all of those things was just a sense of freedom, right? Like we'd play outside all day if we could. And then I think as I got older, I kind of moved away from that. And I would say within the last year or so, I've kind of started to make a return back to nature. I've been in Ohio for maybe about six years now. And generally when the winter comes, I'm like, I'm staying inside, like it's too cold, doing all that I can to stay inside. And this past year, I started running outdoors and that was really therapeutic for me. Often after running, I just felt really energized and refreshed and felt like my thoughts were clear. So that was an amazing experience for me. And then once the pandemic hit in March, I was teaching at a yoga studio and pretty much all the yoga studios closed for a while. And so practicing yoga outside became a thing for me. So I feel like within this past year, I've kind of made a return back to that that sense of freedom and playfulness that I was able to engage with nature in as a kid. So that's kind of been my journey with it. That's really cool. I could imagine you all playing outside and making those mud pies and playing with the creatures. What (laughs) creatures were you playing with? (laughs) Oh my gosh, grasshoppers. I don't know what it was about grasshoppers. And I don't even know people in Ohio call them grasshoppers, but me and my sisters love to play with grasshoppers. And apparently as a little kid, there was a time that I picked up a snake. It was a very small one. I thought it was a worm. And I was like so excited and showed my mom like, oh, look what I found. And she's like, that's a snake. (laughs) So yeah, lots of interesting adventures outside. Yeah. Nicole, did you play with creatures as well? Oh, I was a total nerd. (laughs) Total nature nerd. Anything I could look at, watch crawl, watch fly dig through things, pick at things was definitely my thing to do. And I don't remember sharing that as much with my siblings, but I think they knew I had something like this bond with nature in a way they couldn't explain because I was always looking to find adventures outside and just be alone with nature. So anything that showed up, I was just really excited by. What about you, Angela? Yeah, it's so funny. Growing up, I can't say that I was really a nature enthusiast, although I did live in Anchorage, Alaska. So yeah, so if you want to talk about, I mean, we were out there. Yeah, we were ice skating around like the coldest sack. I mean, it was just things like that. We were, I would say, kind of playing with moose. I don't know if you use the word playing. Yeah, we were out there and 
we were probably that doing the grasshoppers. <laughs> yeah. So that was definitely an experience. But yeah, I would say that my relationship with nature uh, really developed as I matured. And so Nicole and Ivory have heard me say this multiple times, but for me, nature really helped me through a very painful time in my life. So I think similar to Nicole, it was a space of healing. And so you've ever been through a painful time, you know, there's moments where you just feel like you can't breathe and you just want to escape. And you're like, where can I go? And so I found myself in those moments. And so I would literally just have that time. I can't breathe. I have to escape. So I would put on clothes. I would just go out and I would go to various Columbus Metro parks. And so I was there that I just found like a a place of safety and healing. And I would just hike and meditate, you know, look up at the sky, listen to the birds, just take it all in. And I was just reminded that I'm safe. And I was able to just connect with the divine and Yeah, I just really uh, derived a sense of healing from spending that time in nature. So it was definitely something that I think as I matured, it really began to play just a more important and critical role in my life. Yeah, I love when you said it created a place of safety and a place where you could connect to the divine. That's something that we don't often like think of. But at least for me, the more time I've spent in nature, the more I've kind of like questioned the nature of nature. I'm like, there's got to be something bigger than us behind this, right? So yes, that's kind of also creates like a perfect environment for meditation and reflection. It does. And I would just also say, so maybe Nicole and Ivory would agree with this too. I think being in nature reminds you to be present, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're there, you're focused on the now, not thinking about what happened in the past or the future, but it grounds you. So I think that was something else that I really experienced. And it just reminded me to just breathe, stay in this moment. You're safe. You're okay. It's going to be okay. So something that just popped in my head too. Uh, So you all are co-creators of Black Women in Nature. How did that all come to life? How did it come to be? It was an interesting story. I was actually brought into the design and development of Black women in nature. So I will actually ask Nicole to share. And then I think as we kind of talk about it, it'll weave back to me. I think that's probably the best way to talk about it. Yeah. So the idea for this group was essentially the work that I've been doing for the past decade is a lot around environmental education, outdoor recreation, and more of kind of like environmental knowledge, but not from a community-based approach. So I've been wanting to do something where it connects not only community, but Black women and their stories and reconnecting more so than connecting. I feel like this has kind of been like something that was festering in my head and I didn't really know how to piece it all together. And I knew that I didn't want to do it alone. It's good to have other people who have different backgrounds bring different perspectives into these types of gatherings because it widens your perspective. It opens up your thinking about life and how we can better connect to one another and to nature and finding each other, finding sisterhood, finding moments of joy, specifically Black joy, and really highlighting those moments that focus on our strength, our healing are coming together. And I remember seeing a post on Facebook, I believe, with Ivory and her yoga class. And 
we had a few mutual friends. So I figured I'd reach out. And this was after the summer of Black Birders Week and then Black and National Parks Week. So the idea was still floating around, but in my mind, it was like, okay, maybe this will happen now. Maybe this will happen later down the line. I think I just need to kind of just get those ideas out and flowing. So I reached out to Ivory and talked to her a little bit about creating something specifically for Black women to get outdoors and connect in a way that was going to be more holistic for them and not just going on a hike or learning about nature, but like including meditation, including nature education, life lessons, community, sisterhood, our history in a way that was going to be awesome. Like just something where we just can gather and have fun and enjoy ourselves, but learn more about each other in our community. So that's when Ivory and I started kind of piecing everything together. And then she mentioned connecting with Angie. So I'm just going to leave it off to <laughs> Ivory to explain a little bit of her kind of brainstorming with the idea as well. Yeah. I mean, Nicole introduced it very well. When she sent me a message on Facebook, I was super excited. Like, oh, Black women doing meditation, mindfulness, and connecting it to nature. This sounds amazing. And so at that point, I had, as I mentioned earlier, I had been practicing yoga outdoors because of the pandemic. So yeah, Nicole and I connected and we kind of started talking about, you know, what this could look like. And I think at some point I had started thinking about doing some kind of series. And I also was really interested in exploring a lot of Columbus Metro Parks myself. And I had remembered that Angie and I had talked about this, I don't know, a couple months ago, because it was something that she was also interested in doing. And so I think I had pitched the idea to Nicole, like, what if we did this like series where we came together each week and you know, we brought all these different pieces together of meditation, yoga, nature education, and then had some time to reflect after that. She's like, oh yeah, that'd be great. And then I was like, can I invite my friend Angie to participate? And so Nicole was very open to that. And that's pretty much how it happened. So Angie, I don't know if you want to add anything else. Yeah, no, that's it. You all covered it well. And just as Ivory said, after I had my experience in nature and experienced this like healing, it was so funny. I remember writing out goals for 2020. And one of my goals was to lead hiking groups. That was literally on my vision board. Mm. And I remember Ivory and I got together early that year. We were just talking about goals. And I was like, well, I think I want to lead hiking groups and maybe we can incorporate yoga, right? So it was just interesting how the divine kind of brought us all together. So when Ivory reached out to me, I'm like, well, heck yeah. It just kind of speaks to the power of when you have a thought and a goal, you may not know how it's going to come together, but sometimes the universe is working behind the scenes to just bring people together. So this is definitely a collective between the three of us. So yeah, yeah it's kind of divine intervention, I guess. Totally. When each of you were talking about how you got connected to each other, I was like, oh, it's like the universe just brought you together. And then I was like, or maybe it was Facebook. <laughs> right, right. That too, right? <sighs> I don't know. That made me uncomfortable. So I just went back to universe. <laughs> <laughs> right. It all goes back to the divine. <laughs> so tell me, Nicole, what's the format like that brings the best of Ivory and Angela and you to harness the Black joy that you were talking about. Yeah. So in the planning and brainstorming of creating this series, I really wanted to incorporate the nature education, mm -hmm. but not just like your traditional, I guess, colonized <laughs> 
version of nature education, but more so coming from a learner, teacher, vice versa kind of environment. So things that you wouldn't necessarily know about nature as a Black person, a Black woman, the Black community, but like you've always wondered about and connecting with someone who has that knowledge and can bring it all together and help in a sense that you feel like you're learning, but you can also teach it too. So with the planning, we figure it would make sense to have it be seasonal. So connecting the topics, the flow to the seasons and coming up themes around that. So our fall series focused on transitions and really finding our way to nature, but also the theme around letting go because during the fall, things are being let go and kind of like you're in a way restarting that process of life. So all the leaves are changing, they're falling off the trees, things are going into dormancy, but also with Ivory and Angie, like the layout of the program was starting with intention. So the intention, the meditation, and really bringing out what our plans are in that moment of getting together, like what do we want to feel? What do we want to harness within ourselves? Meditating on that, setting intentions for that moment and for the rest of the year, however the participants see it, and bringing kind of like that healing flow into the space. And then in terms of connecting it to the outdoors and nature, you know, we would introduce ourselves, talk about our backgrounds, let the participants introduce themselves and what they want out of the experience, what they're hoping for, and then start on our hike. So in that, we do a silent walk for a few minutes where they're able to walk and kind of use their senses to hear things, feel, reflect on that walk and what's around them for those few minutes. And then we'll start up again with our kind of, again, mingling, introducing ourselves, talking amongst each other, getting to know each other because there's new people that have come into the fold. And then I'll bring in some of the nature education within that specific park that we choose within the Metro Park system. And I think for me, that's an opportunity to bring up the connection of nature, but also how it connects to life lessons. So for example, with the deciduous trees, the trees that has like the maples and the oaks, they lose their leaves over time as compared to pine trees. They don't lose their needles. So they're actually conserving water. And those are kind of metaphors to life of things that we need to let go of that no longer serve us. The deciduous trees and then things we can hold on to and conserve for the betterment of ourselves the needles conserving water. So really bringing in the nature knowledge into our everyday life battles, our journey is really highlighted. And then we wrap up with Angie, who does the reflection, again, focused on the theme. So for fall, it was letting go. And really like her setting up questions to help us think about our journeys and what we're wanting to plan for the future and how to be more engaged and in the moment with ourselves and with each other. And then at the end, and we wrap up with another kind of short meditation and we go about our day. So it's really a time for us to hone in on our different talents, backgrounds, our own personal stories, but also bringing in the movement, the meditation, the healing, knowledge, community. So there's a sisterhood. There's a bunch of different things that are happening during that time, which I really think the participants 
love that variety and know that they can be a part of it within themselves and, and be able to share their own stories within it. Yeah. As you're talking about the leaves or letting go off stuff, I was, and, think, and you were sharing an example, I was like thinking of getting rid of that dress that's been sitting in your closet for five years that you haven't worn. Let it go. <laughs> yes. And it's okay to let it go. There will always yes. be things. <laughs> totally, totally. Ivory, Angela, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I think she covered it well. I think those are all key components. We got a lot of parts moving, but it works and we're all coming together for... And I also want to mention, I don't know, but Ivory does the yoga piece. So we do incorporate yoga in Mm. as well. So everything Nicole mentioned. Yeah, it's a really comprehensive format because it touches, like you mentioned, it touches on connecting with your senses, being aware that you have those senses and then connecting with body, mind, and soul. I think like that's, it must feel like a really invigorating process where just like all your senses are just, I wouldn't say on hyperdrive, but maybe they are because you're exploring, right? And you're invigorated, but like in a positive way. So Ivory, you are a yoga guide. Tell me a little bit about how yoga plays a role in your life. Yeah. Yoga has been a very liberating experience for me. I will say I started practicing consistently in 2018. Prior to that, I had gone to different places, different gyms oftentimes where it was a lot of power yoga classes, which are great. I do still enjoy some of those. But at the time, I was like, what the heck is going on? The spaces were predominantly white. Those were all things that didn't necessarily make me feel safe and welcomed. And so when I started practicing in 2018, I started at a, a Black-owned yoga studio. The instructor was a woman of color as well, which I think was really great for me to actually experience that mind-body-soul connection. And I think the biggest thing that yoga has done for me is, I like to call myself a recovering people pleaser. I'm trying not to claim that anymore. The tendencies are still there, but I said that I'm recovering from that. And growing up, I was conditioned a lot to think about what everyone else needs. And because of that, I often didn't think about my own needs. So for me, yoga has really brought me back to myself to really be able to honor and acknowledge all of the feelings that are coming up for me, all the thoughts that are coming up for me, and really seek to understand them rather than kind of brush it under the rug, et cetera. And I think from that, so much creativity has been birthed from me because of me allowing myself to be still, to really turn inward, to listen in. Yeah, so many new ideas have come from me since then. So many things have been birthed, like Black Women in Nature, like some of the yoga sessions that I've done, some of the series, et cetera. So yeah, in all, I've really appreciated the awareness that it has brought back to me because I think I had gotten to a point where I was so focused on everybody else that I didn't even like, somebody would say, how do you feel about this? And I'd be like, how do I feel? I don't know. You know, (laughs) it took me a really long time to be able to answer that question. So I think I've gotten to a much better space where where I can honor what I'm really feeling and thinking about things, which has been huge for me. Yeah. I think a lot of women go through that. I know at least in my community, women are, their identity is tied to who they serve, their family, their communities, their kids, their husbands. And you don't, 
really know who you are in this, like you're given that opportunity, but it's just so pervasive, I think, in a lot of other communities as well. And I think for myself as well, because I grew up in that community, then coming to the US and I guess like I didn't really think about it in depth of like, what do I really want? You have like surface things that you want, like whether it's food or whatever, (laughs) or career. But then when you're asking those deeper questions of like, what really is the purpose or the impact that I want to create? And how can I do that for myself? And then the other reaction I had when you were talking about how the spaces that you were looking for in terms of practicing yoga were just predominantly white. I remember when I first started yoga, it was a little bit intimidating because everyone was wearing Lululemons and just like looking really posh. And I'm just like, I'm not comfortable with this, right? And mostly white and just, it was really commercialized at the same time. And it wasn't the yoga that I grew up seeing, like within the Indian community, at least. It's like these gurus just wearing a piece of cloth around themselves and doing these amazing moves and just nothing, not even the yoga mats. (laughs) Or even like in the parks in India, people are just like wearing their regular loose clothes and just doing their thing. But here it's like this whole presentation or like a performance where it's just really uncomfortable. So how do you bring that kind of awareness to your practice in these sessions? And how do you kind of like embody some of kind of what you're going through in terms of being a recovering people pleaser? And then also you're working with Black women. And the idea based on what Nicole was explaining earlier is to create like a sense of sisterhood, a sense of like owning your joy and your Black joy. So how does that all come into your practice in these sessions? Yeah, I think everything that you just mentioned about really how yoga has been commercialized in the United States, those things and and my own experience, what actually made me feel connected to yoga are, are things that I always try to keep at the forefront of my mind when I think about what kind of experience that I want to create and what I think will reach other people, other Black women like me. And so for me, it's a constant reminder that it is much more than a physical practice. That physical piece is important. The, the poses and things that we do are great on their own um, and provide a lot of healing because of the way that it opens up your body. But I'm always interested in helping people understand the deeper spiritual connection and the deeper kind of outside lesson. So in my own sessions and also within Black Women in Nature, I'm always thinking about a theme that can connect to life on an outer level. I always like to start with the breath practice because to me, breath is essential. It's something that we do every day, every second for our, um, it is literally our life force energy. So I like to bring people's awareness to that. And yeah, just once again, that overarching connection, I like to make sure that I weaving that throughout the entire experience and making the theme relevant to my own personal experiences as a Black woman and and other experiences that I know that Black women are navigating today. So so that's something that's huge to me. And then last, I will say, especially with Black women in nature, because the yoga meditation is a portion of the overall experience, we have about maybe 15 to 20 minutes. I'm considerate of the different body types and and levels of experiences with yoga. So the types of movement that I offer is very much of a a gentle yoga practice. It's not 
power yoga experience, the focus is about connecting to the theme and connecting to their breath and to their bodies in that way. So those are things that are really important for me. Yeah, yeah. I just thought of one of those really complex moves that you see in all of these like yoga icons or get brand logos. It's like the triangle. I don't know what the word for it is. <laughs> right. So Angela, you are kind of like the health and wellness part of this piece. You're also a health and wellness advocate. So how does this manifest in your daily living? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I said something that got me thinking about yoga. A lot of times we just focus on the physical aspect of yoga, of health and wellness, right? So when you ask someone about health and wellness, typically you'll think, oh, physically active and you think exercise. And so I would say that my own health and wellness journey, initially it started out with just the physical aspect of health and wellness. And so, you know, I am, I do bodybuilding, right? I exercise four to five times a week. But as I've evolved, so has my thinking about health and wellness. And so it was actually... Early last year, Ivory and I both attended an overnight New Year retreat, and I was introduced to something that has really just become a cornerstone of my life and the fact that there are multiple dimensions when we talk about health and wellness. Physical is just one, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got the mental, you've got the emotional, you've got the financial, you've got the social, you've got the intellectual. So when we talk about health and wellness, there's opportunity to just talk about all of these intersections. And so that's something that I've been able to really focus on and integrate in my life. So aside from the physical, let's take financial, for example. I have a relationship with a Black female financial advisor, right? So focusing on my financial health and wellness. From a mental standpoint, intellectual standpoint, I make it a point to read, right? Not just start books, but I'm also focusing on finishing those books because that's also a part of that. From a mindfulness perspective, I meditate, right? So I think for me, it's just been kind of evolving the way that I view health and wellness. And so as I am helping to inspire other people, it's been important for me to also practice what I'm preaching. So encouraging other people, hey, what's your health and wellness journey and practice? It begins with looking at my own practice and making sure that I'm looking at that from a holistic standpoint. Yeah. It takes a lot of discipline. I'm really impressed that you're a bodybuilder. Like, yeah, it it does. It's so funny. That was a goal that I set for myself in the beginning of 2019. And I just said, I'm going to do it. And I did it. But there's a backstory with that. My brother, if you all are familiar with ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, maybe the ice bucket challenge, that may ring a bell. He had ALS and he passed away when he was 39. To put that in perspective, I'm 39 now. So that, it just changed the trajectory of my life. And he passed away when he was 39. And so a lot of people don't know, but in 2016 or 2017, I thought that I had ALS. And so my muscles began switching all over my body. Now, I don't want to scare people. If you twitch, that's a normal thing. But because of my family history and because when I say I was twitching from head to toe, you could literally see my muscles twitching all over my body. And that can be a symptom of ALS. And so I had to visit a neurologist, go through all of these tests. And so at that time, I stopped working out altogether. People who know me know that's not like me. Being physically active is just a part of my life. It brings me joy. So I stopped working out. 
because I literally was preparing for my own mortality. Like I, when I tell you I thought I was going to die, I thought I was going to die. I was terrified. And so after I went through all the tests and it came back that I don't have ALS, just changed my life. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go the full distance. I'm going to do this competition. I'm going to get in the best shape of my life because I can. So it just changed the way that I view being physically active. And for me, to move your body, it's a privilege. And I think it's something that we take for granted. Just think about it. You hop out the bed in the morning. Do you think about it? You don't. You just hop out the bed, right? And so to be able to do that, it's a privilege. Yeah. To brush your teeth is a privilege. To get a glass of water, like just some of the basic things that we take for granted. I take it for granted too. I'm not saying I'm not in that category because I am, but yeah, the bodybuilding competition, that was just, it was a way to honor my brother. And yeah, I just, big fan of moving your body and uh, it's an opportunity that we all have. So yeah. I love that you said, because you could, because you can. Yeah. I think we forget that we have that agency so many times in our lives because we can. And then that moving is a privilege. I know that some of us non-physically disabled people will take this for granted. And so how do you bring that awareness to Black women in nature? Frankly, I think it's collective. I think all three of us, I think Nicole, Ivory, myself, we all bring that awareness. And I will never forget, it was like an aha moment. I don't know, Nicole and Ivory, if you remember, but it was our second to last session, I believe. We were all gathered and there was another participant. This is during the nature education piece and we were just debriefing and talking. And there was another participant and she mentioned that it's a privilege to move your body. And it wasn't anything that I said, but it was her own uh, And I kind of looked around and I could just see everyone looking like, you know what, you're right. For me, that was just very profound and impactful because anytime somebody says that or they come to the realization on their own, you can just see everyone's looking around like, you know what, you're right. I never stopped to think about that. So that was something that really stood out to me. But I think in terms of embodying that in Black women in nature, I just think the way that it's designed to begin with gentle movement, right? So the yoga piece, the meditation piece, the hiking piece, I think all of it just underscores the importance and the opportunity that we have. And I I think whenever possible, I don't like to get on a soapbox, but there's times when I will remind us all that it's a privilege to move. So just, I think all of these pieces working together just underscore the opportunity that we have to, to move our body. Yeah. It reminds me of when I first started meditating and we had a guru in my community, but the way we start is be aware of your breath, be aware of your fingertips and feel the breath going up your lungs and feel it kind of like powering the rest of your body, feel your toes. And it's like, I think that kind of hyper-awareness is, we don't, at least I don't get to do that often enough, but there's just something so humbling about it as well. Because I think for me in those moments, I'm just so humbled by my existence yeah. in a sense. Well, think about it. When we're talking about privilege, it's a privilege to breathe. Yeah. It's a privilege to breathe, right? I mean, I'm not being funny, but we think about COVID. We think about everything happening with the killing of Black people. And it's a privilege to breathe. So anyway, when you said that, it just made me think about that. And so I think it's just beautiful that as we open this and Ivory kicks us off to really pay attention to the 
strength. I mean, it's just something that, once again, we don't think about. It. We take it for granted. So anyway, I just, yeah. yeah. You said that it made me think about that. So, yeah. Well, this is just kind of giving me goosebumps. And like, you all need to find a way to replicate this model and spread it across the world. <laughs> yeah, that's a goal. So. so Nicole, the brainchild of this Black Women in Nature you were involved in other such initiatives as well. You mentioned as an environmental educator, you also run Black in National Parks, as well as you're involved in Black Birders Week. So what kind of community are you trying to create through such efforts? I feel like I do a lot of bunch of like, just a bunch of things. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is just like 0.01% of what you do. Progress into just having... And I definitely want to speak to what Angie was saying of just like the privilege that we have and like thinking about that with, in regards to our connection with nature is literally like we're getting oxygen from trees. I don't think, and that even to that level of just how much we're connected to nature, but how much we also disconnect ourselves from nature in the physical sense and the like cellular sense of like how nature keeps us alive as like mind boggling to me. So I think I've always just tried to, just from my experiences of using nature to heal, but also help people reconnect to that intensity of it, that it's so much more than being able to go out to hike or bike or whatever, but like really like opening up those other different layers to how we can engage with ourselves, like our inner beings, with community, with the knowledge of the universe. But I feel like there's always a moment of just awe that I have about nature that I would have never that I'd experienced just because you think you know things and then something awesome happens and you're just like, wait, hold on a second. Like, I just need a minute to like yeah. get myself because it's just an absolutely amazing. And I feel like just as much destruction we see experience within the world there's so much beauty that's there and that's right like there in front of our faces that we become so consumed with things around being more like selfish and like capitalism like things that just block us from seeing that beauty mm-hmm. seeing it more so when i think about all of these things that i've done in my lifetime it always connects back to self-awareness like how much do we know ourselves And how much celebrate that, celebrate that in a way that's, whether it's a small victory or a big victory, like it's, we're celebrating ourselves as human beings and we're giving something to ourselves in order to be able to give to others. And that's something I've always kind of led with anything that I've created, anything that I've wanted to bring to groups, to community was to speak to like our own different gifts and and give back. And that's something I realized when I was going through in foster care and just kind of like, as you're getting older, you're learning all of these things, you're learning about yourself, but then there's all of these other different factors that block you from doing that as you get older, as you progress professionally, personally, spiritually, like there's all these blockers, barriers that take energy out of us, that take love of self away from us, that takes love away from community and And I think that's something that I've been trying to like reformat for myself of like, what does self-love mean? Mm -hmm. What does love of nature mean? What does love of community mean? And showing how I can bring 
that knowledge in different ways and not just like this boxed in version of it, but like really opening up to different ways that people can express themselves to show how much they care for themselves and how much they can care for others. So with Black Birders Week that happened in June, a lot of people are just like, oh, it's bird watching. Yes, it's bird watching. That's a part of it. And even I love bird watching, but that's just one thing that I do to connect to nature. So being a Black woman, we're, we're multifaceted. We're not monoliths. Like we have all these different things that we love and enjoy and want to bring attention to because that's also a way of us getting to know ourselves. So I feel like being the co-organizer for Black Birders Week, that even opened up more for me to learn about the different people, Black people that I didn't know about that were interested in birding and their own stories connected to it. And then it became this, okay, well, I'm a park advocate too, a national park advocate. So how can we get back to creating brave and safe spaces for Black people to re-engage with their history Mm -hmm. uh, connected to the creation of the national parks is essentially like the space were created on a stolen land. (laughs) So it's not something that's just like, okay, it's for everybody. But then what does that really mean? Like when you break it down, these parks are for everyone. Everybody can come here and enjoy them. I've had my experiences where because you're talking about Black people versus white people versus Native Americans, But in terms of like, I don't want it to be about race. Like I want to be able to go to a park and enjoy myself and be able to share my story without feeling like I might have an encounter where someone might physically attack me, verbally attack me. But that happens. It's not something that we necessarily prepare for. But that ties into our experiences and those need to be validated along with our history, the stories that haven't been told, the stories that have been forgotten as it connects to the Black experience that I'm really trying to highlight with the start of uh, Black and National Parks Week, which was back in August, and really speaking to those perspectives and narratives. And not to say that like we shouldn't talk about other groups and their experiences, but we have this marginalized group that kind of has been swept under the rug and like nobody's really bringing those stories out for the next generation and making it more inclusive. And there's allies, there's people that can support that work. It's not like it's just Black people who get to talk about these things and share their perspectives and learn, but we're all doing that. And I feel like that's an opportunity to explore more of that. What does that experience look like for you as a white person to hear these stories, to hear these narratives, and to support those narratives by amplifying that person or that story? And you're not feeling like you have to speak over someone or highlight your story and silence someone else. So with Black and National Parks Week, it's essentially just celebrating Black excellence within the national parks, but also it's a system. It's part of a governmental system that's huge and it's very complicated. And there's still a lot to learn. And there's a new generation of park advocates that's going to look very different (laughs) moving forward. And that's going to be more black and brown faces. So how do we better support them? How do we get better, help them become leaders, you know, within our nation to do more of the work? So essentially, I'm not sure what that's going to look like for this year and moving forward with the week. But I think it's definitely more of an opportunity for even more people to engage through social media 
and share more of their stories, especially with the pandemic. A lot of people don't want to be cooped up inside. They still want to be able to plan adventures and go hiking and enjoy the national parks. But if there's only just specific things that are acknowledged with that history, I feel like that's a disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. So many good things that you said in there in terms of when you mentioned that this is for everyone, I've really been conflicted with that because like you mentioned, it's stolen land. But I was having a conversation with one of the former directors who was at the U.S. Forest Service and said, how do you deal with that kind of guilt or just even recognition that maybe it's not for all of us, (laughs) but it's just, well, I don't want to say that it is what it is, but it's going into these spaces, like you said, acknowledging the history and giving back to those communities and amplifying those stories, their voices, whenever you are given an opportunity without kind of taking space or a platform away from the communities that actually experience such violence. Since I started the podcast, I've had to seek this information. Like it's there but you have to really intentionally look for it. So for example, with like the history of Black people in national parks and the founding of those national parks, like with the whole Buffalo soldiers, I had no idea, no idea, (laughs) you know? And that Bob Marley song was based on that. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting because I think having that understanding that there is information out there that we're not necessarily having to create it, but it's out there and we want to bring it to the light. Yeah. It's frustrating, but motivating at the same time because that gives us a chance to step back and start over at least. Yeah, totally. So we're coming to the end of our conversation here and I want to be mindful of time as well. So I want to ask you one last thing with regards to Black women in nature is what has stood out to you so far in your interaction with the participants in Black women in nature? And just to be clear, you've started it off first in Columbus, Ohio, and hopefully it will kind of expand from there. So how has your interaction with the participants of Black Women in Nature kind of impacted your own kind of existence? Ivory, we can start with you. Yeah, for me, I would say the thing that has stood out, which has been really interesting, is so many Black women have shared that they've been interested in in doing things like this, that they're really into hiking and exploring nature and agriculture and everything, but they've often been the only ones. And so really just the uniqueness of having a space where it is all of us Black women. And I think this combination of how we've woven everything together, I think has just been for a lot of Black women, the first time that they felt really safe and a sense of belonging and engaging in nature in this way. The second part that I'll say is that one thing that is really unique to me, Nicole was kind of touching on this, was the fact that for so many Black people here in the United States, we've, we really have disconnected from nature because of the long history of torture and violence that we've experienced often in nature, often in rural areas. And so I think this really feels like a coming back to ourselves, a reconnection with nature that I think is, is very unique, at least as far as what is available in Columbus for Black women. Mm, yes, coming back to nature. That's really powerful. Angela? Yeah, I, everything I ever said, goodness. 
I think what stood out to me probably the most, there's multiple things, but the one I think honestly is just the reception that we've received from this. I mean, we put this together. We didn't know how it was going to be received. So when I tell you that we, I think we've all been humbled and blown away by the participation. And literally we have had some people attend every session. Hmm. And so when we did the fall and then we took a month break because we needed a break too, right? We had to recharge. Yeah. People were like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? And so we just kicked off our winter series the day after the new year. And I mean, we had women showing up in 30 degree weather, ready to go. And so, you know, we're trying to like, okay, maybe we need to hurry it up. No, they were engaged and they were continuing the dialogue and conversation. So we just let it flow. So for me, I think it's just been seeing everyone wanting this, needing this, looking forward to it and just being excited. And then there was one participant and she had mentioned for the fall series, our theme was letting go. So Nicole talked about that. Well, she didn't even know at the time that there were things that she was holding on to that she needed to let go of. And so by her participating in this session, she was able to work through some things with her therapist and let go of things that she didn't even know were there. That was powerful. So that to me is just an indication that we are providing something that our community needs. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all just humbled that the universe you know, brought us together to be able to curate this experience for Black women. Yeah, it's really tapping into this inner kind of voice within you, right? Like she didn't even know she had to let go of stuff, but that's really hard. And especially in like a material world where, like you all mentioned, is we're so disconnected from our true selves and also nature in that process. And kind of reminded me of this when I was doing research in South Florida and I was developing this water education policy curriculum. But I conducted like a pre-survey to determine what their baseline knowledge is around water issues in South Florida. And one of my questions was, where do you get your water from? And I got a significant percentage of responses were the water fountain, the water bottle (laughs) that we get that mom buys or whatever, or the refrigerator. And it just really exemplified that disconnect of where do you get your water from? It's the Everglades. It's not the water fountain. It's not the bottled water. It's so much more than that. Yeah, I think Black women in nature is beginning to tap into that or is tapping into that, which is so rare. Yeah, absolutely. Nicole, what stood out to you? I'm glad you brought that up in terms of the responses you got, because that's something I'm wanting to incorporate with the nature education of. And this is the same thing with food, of asking yeah. where you get your food, grocery store. But at the same time, once you have that information, what do you do with it? I guess the new information or finding out something you didn't know before, what do you do with that? How do you move forward? And that's something that I wanted to connect with nature education of, you know, with water, being able to help people go to those. Like once they find out it's the Everglades, okay, let's show people what environment looks like and how that system works. And it's an opportunity to connect you even more to that knowledge and those natural systems because you've been there, you experienced it. Even if you're hesitant about it, you have more than what you started with. And I think with Black women in nature, that's an opportunity with with the nature education to open up opportunities for Black women to really 
step outside of their comfort zone to learn more about trees and birds and ecosystems and what their fears are with nature. Because we have Black women in nature doesn't mean all of the the participants are going to be like, yay, we're going outside or yay, it's snowing or yay, we're going on a hike. We're going to get grasshoppers. Right. Those are... are (laughs) Exactly. Those are opportunities to... Again, self-awareness and understanding like where your baseline is. Like, do you want to stay where you are, which is fine? Or do you want to move even further with your knowledge? And how can you do that? And how can that be more supported within the group? So I feel like for me, it's having those one-on-one conversations with the participants of, oh, I didn't know this about trees or the ponds that we have here in the park or the time of the year when I'll see a particular bird. You know, those things are always very eye-opening to me because they want to know more. And I can see that excitement and engagement in their eyes. I think they just are seeking more support and continuing to gain that knowledge. And we have so many, again, the barriers that are created within society and specific formats or ways that we should learn things. And I give those air quotes because that's where that hesitancy comes in of, well, I have to learn this in a particular way. I have to be in a classroom, mm-hmm. right? Instructor who majored or mastered this particular topic. But no, there's a bunch of ways to learn things and learning is a lifelong journey. So if we can open up more of the opportunities to engage in different topics with different people from different backgrounds, with different experiences, I feel like that just opens up the floodgates to more holistic community type of learning. Yeah. And that way you don't feel like you're doing this alone, which can be quite daunting. Awesome. So we're switching into our lightning round here. It's a series of four questions and you answer the first thing that comes to your mind. We'll just do one at a time unless you all want to yell answers. (laughs) And then we'll conclude our session here. So I'll start with Ivory, if that's okay. So the first question here is, what have you read, heard, or watched that has influenced you the most? Very hard to narrow that down, but I would have to say the book, Sister Vegan. That book completely transformed the way I thought of food. And after reading that book, like a week later, I was vegan. (laughs) Wow. How long ago was that? It was 2017. Wow. You need to write the author and tell them how they've changed your life. (laughs) Yes, yes. And just a a brief context, it's a collection of stories and essays of Black women and their experiences being vegan. That's really cool. Well, I'll definitely look for it and also link it up in our show notes. The next question is, what is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your work? I would say writing down my ideas and thoughts immediately as they come to me. Like for me, that has been in the notes app on my phone or iPad. Because sometimes I just randomly get ideas, like if I'm going on a walk or for whatever reason, after I get out of the shower. <laughs> so I try to just write those down immediately and then come back to it and expand on it. Oh, wow. I wish I had that. <laughs> just get out of the shower and like, aha, uh-huh, I have an idea. <laughs> Must write it down. <laughs> so that's a blessing. What's the best piece of advice you've received? Hmm. I would have to say... At my wedding rehearsal, I don't remember the exact words, but a family member of mine really emphasized the importance of making sure that me and my partner 
still nurtured our individual selves and nurtured our own interests and that we didn't forget about that in our marriage. That has been really huge and transformational for me in the way that I viewed marriage before I got married and have let go of some conditioning so that I could really focus in on that. (laughs) Yeah. And going back to what you said earlier of being a recovering people pleaser, like that's really good advice. And then finally, what is your superpower? Say making people feel seen. Hmm. I think people feel really comfortable around me and feel very welcome. So yeah, that's what I'll say. Definitely feel it. (laughs) All right, Angela, your turn. What have you read, heard, or watched that has influenced you the most? Oh gosh, so many things. But I would have to say Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. So I have this book uh, right here, but I literally read this book a couple times a year. So it's just focusing on being present and it is definitely changed my life. So yeah. Yeah, I suggest. I've seen his interviews with Oprah. <laughs> I like oh, his yeah. accent. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a, this is a great book. This is, yeah. So yeah, I highly recommend it. Yeah. What's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your work? Yeah. I used to live my life in a lot of fear, and I let fear keep me from a lot of things. I still struggle with it, actually. But now I use fear as my barometer. So if I fear something, then I know I need to pursue it. And I look at that as something that I need to go after instead of something to run from. Now, I still struggle with it, but I just, yeah, I think looking at fear in a different way, telling me that if I fear it, then I need to lean into it. Mm. Yeah, that's a really brave thing to do. I mean, instinct is you go the other direction, but this is an indication that it's something that is challenging you, right? To make you grow. What's the best piece of advice you've received? Oh, goodness, that's hard. The only one that's really jumping out at me right now is to live for the journey. It's Mm -hmm. something that my best friend says all the time. And I think a lot of times we're focused on the destination and we forget about the journey. And it's the journey, right, that is really going to shape us and mold us. And ultimately, if you pay attention to the journey, then it will lead you to the destination. Right, right. And the destination destination is more meaningful. Absolutely, yeah. Finally, what is your superpower? Lifting weights. I was just going to say lifting weights. (laughs) Yeah, that's a superpower. But I would also say facilitating meaningful dialogue. Just being able to really get in there and just help people self-discover. That's a good one. All right, Nicole, you're up. What have you read, heard, or watched that has influenced you the most? I don't realize how much TV I watch until (laughs) start of this year. There's a lot of shows I'm looking forward to the start of the new year, including This Is Us. I'm looking forward to that. The very start of that show really like opened up my eyes to just experiences that we go through coming from different backgrounds. And one particular episode from this past premiere season, just being able to see it, like we always talk about representation and like what that means and not just visually, but like mm-hmm. representation of our experiences was Randall talking about seeing a Black therapist. And I was so happy for him because that's not something we talk about, like mental health and not just going to see a random therapist, but like not to say that Black people, Black therapists all have the same experiences, but that representation is really important in understanding what that means for us to be able to move forward with our healing was really eye-opening. So if anybody's interested, this is us. (laughs) 
the season started already before and towards the end of 2020, but it's starting back up again, I think next week. So yeah, that conversation around mental health for Black people was just something that really got me teared up, but also excited about more of those conversations being seen on TV. So yeah, yeah. Mental health just in general is a taboo. And I know within my community, at least it's huge. If you talk about a therapist, it means something's wrong upstairs. I mean, yes, there's something, but (laughs) kind of shunned. What's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your work? Naps. (laughs) Naps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love naps. I love and naps. I always tell people to take naps. They look at me like I'm crazy and I will preach it till I'm no longer here on this earth. Naps are awesome. Yes. I even tell kids like you're going to want them when you're older. So just start now. Don't fight it. <laughs> That's true. I don't like that statement that people make is I'll sleep when I die. I'm just like, oh, that's so problematic. That sounds intense. <laughs> Next question. What's the best piece of advice you've received? Don't be afraid to tell people what you need. And I think that goes along with self-care of just as you're realizing it, just speaking it out more and letting people know like, hey, I need more sleep or I need to eat more healthy or we can hold off on this conversation for another time because I need to take care of myself. I think not feeling bad or guilty about that is really important as you get to know yourself and what you feel you need to be able to to thrive and not just survive in life. Yeah. Yeah. What is your superpower? I would say I'm a really good listener. I I tend not to like talk too much. (laughs) And I get this a lot at work. Like I'll just have a lot of moments where I'm just like, observing everybody and I won't say anything right away. So people just assume I don't have anything to say, but it's because I just need time to think and process things. So I feel like I'm a way better listener than talker just because I need to absorb information in a different way. So yeah. And it just means that you're really thinking, I was going to say thinking thoughtfully about it, (laughs) thinking deeply about what you're hearing. Right. And Mm -hmm. there's a saying that silent waters run deep and usually you use that for sketchy people. But I think it's really means for people who are thoughtful. Really. So the next question I was going to ask you is how we can follow you on your journey, but we're kind of running out of time and I have your social media links as well. So I'll include them in the show notes. And then the last thing I want to ask you, is there anything else you would like to add before we put a pause to our session here? I think on behalf of all of us, we want to thank you for all that you are doing. You are a remarkable woman. We appreciate you. And yeah, we just thank you for you know giving us this opportunity to come on and dialogue and talk. So we have so much respect for you and we just appreciate you. Oh, thank you. I'm going to choke up and die now. <laughs> <laughs> With humility. <laughs> Awesome. But thank you. I think with each conversation I have, it just opens up a whole other world for me and just gives me a greater appreciation for the individual and what each one of you is bringing to your own communities and to the greater society. And it's really making an impact. And I think for me, it's been a journey where I felt like, what is it all for? But with each conversation, I'm like, yes, this is what it's for. There's value in it. But yes, thank you for those kind words.
Hey all, thanks for listening to Breaking Green Ceilings. If you'd like to hear more episodes with change-making environmentalists, head on over to watersavvysolutions.com backslash podcast. You can find me online on Instagram and Twitter. And as always, if you love the show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like on iTunes. You can also sign up for my newsletter to find out when new episodes are available. And please do share the podcast with your family, friends, colleagues, and whoever you think will be inspired by the wisdom of our change makers. I always welcome feedback, so please do feel free to reach out to me. My contact information is also on watersavvysolutions.com. Until next time, keep breaking through those green ceilings.